You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Seems like the basis for a sitcom. Mackey and Judd. Why not? On 1500 ESPN. Uh, some really good contributions from callers today on Teddy Bridgewater and the Vikings quarterback situation. Matthew Collar and Ben Gessling in uh, here for Mackey and Judd. Dave Harrigan along as well. The Wolves are playing back-to-back home games this weekend. Uh, the Wild got a win last night. The Twins... Not good news with Miguel Sano. Not so much. Looks like he's going to have to have surgery, which is uh, not great for Sano, yeah. and kind of continues the narrative with Sano that you know there's always going to be something going on with him because of the weight or whatever it might be. Um, though he can mash dingers, so I think you kind of have to put up with some yeah. of those things. Yep. Uh, on the Teddy Bridgewater conversation, I have I think the best date for him to come back is Thanksgiving. Okay. And my reasoning for that is it gives the Minnesota Vikings enough time to prepare him to play first-team offense, to continue to work him into practice. And if you decided right now that you were going to play him on Thanksgiving, that you could have him begin to prepare for the Detroit Lions, that everyone else is going to be coming off of a short week. And if you're going to get any advantage there, your quarterback would be spending two weeks preparing for a game on Thursday where everybody else, offense, defense, the Lions, their quarterback, everybody else is preparing for their game on Sunday and then having to turn it around quickly. And we know how difficult that can be. I think if there's a way to bring him back slowly, but also give yourself some sort of advantage, that's the best day to do it. I like the possibility of that, but my question, well, I have a couple questions. Say they win the next two, they're eight and two going into that game. Do you make that switch at that point? And the other one is is kind of like it, I guess. If if Teddy starts that game, are you doing that with the idea that Teddy is starting that game to start that game, kind of like making a spot start, or are you giving Teddy the job from that point forward? The the one thing they benefit from here is that the locker room desperately wants Bridgewater back. Yes, there is that. He's very popular. The, here, you and I, I think, spend a lot of time chatting about this in Winter Park and just reading between the lines mm-hmm. of what athletes say. Yep. Uh, so player X, what do you think of case Keenum, man? He's a lot of fun to be around and he's good in the huddle and everything else. Yeah. Uh, does he throw good? Well, you know, I mean, yeah. they never say, boy, he really slings it. Right. Yep. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I think with that, it's like everyone has the same feeling in the locker room. It is not going to be split on going back to Bridgewater. I think if they've seen in practice that he's good, that it will be through and through from top to bottom. Everyone feels yeah, like their guy. even if we're eight and two, he's the better quarterback. Everyone thinks that. So it's that won't be an issue, I think. I guess I mean more on the side of if you if you put him back in and you lose a game that is gonna maybe cost you mm. in I don't think it's gonna be in a division race with the Lions. That's, I you know, I, I think this division is so much there for the Vikings to just you know, I think ten wins they'll they'll win it comfortably. Um, I I don't think that's going to be the issue, but maybe a, a first round buy. I mean, you know, some of those things could play into it. How do you how do you sell it externally? I guess is more what I'm asking the question about. 
What What do you mean externally? Well, when they have to get up there and talk about the decision, and they get asked the questions of, "Is Teddy the guy going forward?" Oh, right. Yeah. How are you going to handle that? Because, and given the fact that, and we've we've all seen it, and we've heard it from people, the way that they have handled their quarterback direction this year, at least when talking about it publicly, has not been as warmly received as some of the ways that they have answered questions in the past. And I, I think when you get up there and whenever you make this switch, you better have your ducks in a row in terms of here's what we're going to do, here's the reasoning behind it, and here's the the course for the long term. I think if you look like you're not sure what you're supposed to be doing, you're going to have a lot of fans that say, well, wait a minute, you have all these quarterbacks and you can't figure out what you're supposed to do with them? You know. That's the most important decision you have to make. What are you guys doing? The thing that they would be really terrified of is they take out Case Keenum at eight and two or seven and three. Mm-hmm. Although I think he's if he plays against the Rams, I think that will make it easy for everybody. I think it's yeah, a great defense and there's that possibility. You might win at home because your defense is so good, but that's a great defense and could be one of those twelve to nine type of games yeah. where Kai Forbath wins it for you. Um but if Bridgewater were to come back in and lose two games in a row, then things get really tricky mm-hmm. because do you give him time? He's been off for so long, and it's got to take reps to uh, get yourself back up to it. I it was just a piece that I did the other day for the website was about the uh, his ability to improvise. Yeah, like. There's no way to practice that. There's no way to have Everson Griffin run at his legs and then see if he can throw while he's being taken down. And and that's the things he's going to have to get used to again. The one thing that, to me, Ben, would give confidence about how Bridgewater could play coming back, even with being off for so long, is this offense right now is essentially built to work around a limited quarterback. Yeah. And it's going pretty well. Yeah. That's true. I mean, and there's there are certainly more things I think in it stylistically that fit with what Teddy wants to do. Certainly better than what Norv Turner was was running. Mm-hmm. I and I think overall this is a better fit. And it's it's odd that, and maybe it's just fitting for the Vikings that the, the the offensive coordinator that drafted Teddy Bridgewater or that that directed the process to draft Teddy Bridgewater was replaced by a guy that was Sam Bradford's guy, and it could ultimately be that guy that ends up having the offense that fits. Teddy Bridgewater better than the guy who drafted him. So, I mean, it's that's kind of, I guess, par for the course with the Vikings quarterback situations <laughs> that nothing ever really makes sense and up is down and down is up. But that could be where we're headed here. So earlier in the show, we had some uh, good phone calls about how good people think Teddy Bridgewater is or can be. Um, th- there's kind of a spectrum of opinions here. I mean, we all agree that he's a better quarterback than Case Keenum. I mean, sometimes there's a little forest through the trees with uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, he led a team with a limited offense to 16th in scoring and an 11-5 and record. And so the fantasy stats or whatever else, they moved the ball pretty well. They got great kicking that year from Blair Walsh. For, for a while. the regular season, they did. Uh, for the regular then, season. Well, he did make three field goals in that playoff game. He had all their points. So. Uh, missed the one that they needed to make. Yeah, but, yeah, um, details. So I, I tend to lean pretty far toward Teddy Bridgewater being a franchise quarterback if, if he's back. Now, I would not put him as a top five quarterback in the league, but maybe I would put him 13th or 12th or somewhere in that Which range. Which would be a lot better than they've had for a long time. 
And it's good enough to take a, a team that's built up really well, that has a roster for a number of years that I think could continue to be good uh, with an offensive line. Delvin Cook is going to be the centerpiece of the offense, I think, for a while. I mean, so if... Presumably, yeah. If you've got, assuming the ACLs hold up, if, right. if you've got Delvin Cook as a star running back and two great wide receivers and an offensive line that holds up, uh, I think your 12th best quarterback puts you in a position to win any given year if you have a good defense. That's what you ask for, especially a guy who can come through in big situations, which Bridgewater has. So that's how I look at him. So we're we're getting a Twitter rant uh, coming at us here from, from Jay Miller, who I think tweets it probably both of us a few times. Uh, he says, this is insane. If TB5, meaning Bridgewater, is a franchise quarterback and is healthy, then he should start as soon as he has had enough practice reps. He doesn't need to be great or be Brady. More efficient than Keenum is more than enough. Keenum's ceiling is low average at best. Teddy Bridgewater starts as soon as ready. Uh, and then he says, Teddy's basement is Keenum's ceiling. Neither are superstars, but still aren't on the same level. Basic stats tell partial story. Okay, well, I I agree with I mean a lot of that that Teddy Bridgewater is better, but just well, there's more coming too. But we'll we'll just talk about it and well, we'll let him keep going. Just starting him when you feel like he's ready, you don't need to do that because of where you are in the division, right? Because of how things are set up for you. I mean, sorry if I don't believe that Brett Huntley is going to lead the Packers to the Magic nah, Land. No, that's not a good team overall. The weapons are okay on offense, but it's not a great defense. The offensive line has been dinged up. They lost their long snapper, Ben. They did. Big deal. They uh, um, they have they've had some injuries there. So in the they past. they've got the injuries and everything else. I think you are so much in the driver's seat to win the division. You could almost play Jarek McKinnon at quarterback and still end up winning the division here. I don't know about that. Okay, maybe not after seeing him throw last year. Point just being, you can slow play this. And you can make sure that Teddy Bridgewater is 110% ready, that he is more than ready to play, and you can plot out when you're going to play him and then go with that plan. You don't have to be pressed into it because even if you lose these next two games, you're still in a pretty darn good spot in that division. Yeah, I mean, and and as we talked about a little bit earlier, I do think the one issue with with getting Teddy ready is how you structure practice. When most NFL teams give... Their starters probably eighty five percent of the practice reps or more. You know how much of the game plan does he then get put in his direction if he's not getting all the practice reps? You know all of the all of the things that are afforded to starters, all of the things that we hear about every week in terms of why it's so hard for people to come in. If you were trying to do that with him while starting Case Keenum, it makes it tricky. So at some point, I do think that. If you're going to start him, you have to make that decision in the middle of the week and say, this is our guy. We are planning the game plan around him. He's going to be the one meeting with Pat Shermer saying, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. He's the one getting all the first-team reps. We don't have to necessarily say that, and we probably won't say that until we have to, but I do think they're going to have to make that decision internally, at least earlier than they will acknowledge it. Thanksgiving Day is my date where I would like to see Teddy Bridgewater brought back. What do you think about that? 651-646-8255. And where do you stand on the Teddy Bridgewater spectrum of how good a quarterback is he? Let's go to uh, Kelly here on 1500 ESPN. What's up, Kelly? I I really don't know where all this Bridgewater hype comes from. 14 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Two years ago, he had the best runner in the game. And the, one of the best defenses, and they, everybody talks about how efficient he is. 
12 and four, or 14 and 12 isn't very efficient. And he only threw, what, a third, maybe 33% of what, uh, you know, the elite quarterbacks threw. I mean, that's, that's a glimpse of efficiency. But if he was forced to throw it, how many times did he win the game with his arm? All right, well, this is this is great that you bring this up, Kelly, because actually Ben and I were doing some research before the show today. Um, the Vikings threw the fewest number of passes in the NFL that year because they were deferring mostly to Adrian Peterson. Best running back in the game or most yards and most carries? I mean, he was not yeah. the best running back in the league yeah, that year. that was not vintage Adrian Peterson. That was... Uh, those were counting stats. It was a volume discount. Well, this is a this is a thing about touchdowns and interceptions and quarterback ratio is that they can tell the wrong story for you. Blake Bortles threw 25 touchdowns in the red zone on 95 pass attempts in 2015. Blake Bortles, if you had him on fantasy that year, you were rolling it. It was great. They were down in games all the time, and every time they got in the red zone, they had Blake Bortles throw a touchdown. That is the dirty little secret to fantasy quarterbacks, by the way. You want the team, you want the guy whose defense gives up 35 points, so he has to keep throwing it in the fourth Uh quarter. Yes, for sure. And so Blake Bortles... Uh, was second in the NFL, third in the NFL in red zone touchdowns. He threw 35 overall touchdowns. There isn't a person alive who thinks that Blake Bortles (laughs) is a good quarterback, right? Teddy Bridgewater only took 42 attempts in the red zone that year because they mostly handed off to Adrian Peterson. They They were second in the league in rushing touchdowns that year. They focused on the running game inside of the red zone. And it wasn't a very efficient red zone offense, but that impacted Teddy Bridgewater's numbers. If he had thrown 95 passes inside of the red zone. And also, there's another thing, too, that when you have one of the best defenses in the NFL, like coaches don't go, hi, man, we don't have enough touchdown passes for Bridgewater like I would on Madden. (laughs) They go, "Uh, we're up by 10 points, so let's just make sure that we get three more here and solidify this win for our defense. Um, so that's one major point. The other point is he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league on third down in terms of yards per attempt. That's a big deal, too. That's winning you games in big situations. And we saw a number of times that he had game-winning drives and things like that. Uh, from a tape standpoint, I think he's an incredibly smart quarterback who can make intermediate throws at a very high level, but not bombs very often. Mm-hmm. But you only throw a number of bombs anyway. My point just being that when you look at the touchdowns, it just does not tell you how well the quarterback played. And again, there is the forest through the trees, 11 and 5 record at the 27. No, uh, well, what yard line? It's uh, 20, well, 10 it yard line. 10 yard line. 10 yard line to kick a field goal to win a playoff game against the Seattle Seahawks. He, he led you there. You know, the funny thing about that game, and I always think back to this, I had a game story ready to go. Oh, of course. And, and I think we've talked about it, the 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 book of game stories that never got published because some thing happened to change mm-hmm. a game. I like I would read that. That that would be a great book if people hadn't done what I did and and trashed the story. Red I, Sox I, win the '86 World <laughs> Series. Exactly. I mean, there would be a lot of those types of things that you could do. But I I had a story ready to go about Bridgewater coming of age because he leads a game winning drive against the two time NFC champions in the coal at home. He's now got a playoff victory. They're one of four teams playing in the NFC, and he just was the first quarterback to knock off the Seahawks in the playoffs since 2012. So that was ready to go until Blair Walsh missed that kick. The, <laughs> yes. the narrative yes. would have changed on him, and I, I think a lot of it with Bridgewater, too, is that 
there are just so many extenuating circumstances, whether it was mm-hmm. coming in after Castle got hurt, not having Peterson, Peterson comes back, then you, he gets hurt. You just It's hard to say definitively on him one way or the other, and that's a lot of the reason why I think he's so polarizing, just because you can slice a pretty limited sample size a lot of different ways. And, and your point uh, about last year in the preseason, that things seemed to be taking the next step yep. for him. And that's still basing that on the preseason. Exactly when he got hurt. It yep. just, from a statistical standpoint, because I'm interested in numbers all the time, uh, quarterback statistics rarely accurately tell you what uh, how a quarterback actually played. There's and, a lot more that goes into that position. And you should look at the variables between one year to the next for quarterback touchdowns. I mean, even the best quarterbacks will have a gap of 10 or, or more touchdown difference from a year. Did they play differently? Yeah. But probably not. Aaron Rodgers, sometimes that difference is 30 to 40, but uh, but yeah, there are some yes. differences. There's that. <laughs> uh, let's go to uh, Mark here. What's up, Mark? Hey, guys. Um, I think you alluded to it earlier um, when, when people call in, like the last caller, talking about, like, what's the hype around Teddy? And I, I can understand that question, but I think if if last year's preseason didn't happen, and I know preseason, like we talk about all the time, it's very – you know, what what value does it really have in the grand scheme of things? Um, but I think watching that last year in the preseason, say his injury happened before that and we didn't see that preseason, we might not be having this conversation right now because we wouldn't really necessarily know. We'd be basing it off the 2015 season. I, I think that 2016 preseason had a lot to do with the hype. Um, I guess one question for you guys is, um, say, say Case Keenum doesn't, "Quote unquote, lose us any any games upcoming here. Like he plays decently okay, but he doesn't turn the ball over. Um, I guess how how short of a leash do you think he has in these upcoming games? Like, do you think it's it's just a matter of him um, not losing games, or do you think that he has to play better than what?" we think that Teddy Bridgewater could play for him to stay on the field? That is a very good question, Mark, and we will answer it next. Also, I want Ben to pick the rest of the Vikings season with Teddy Bridgewater in a quarterback. because yeah, I know All eight of them? All eight of the rest right. of the games. With If Teddy Bridgewater starts right out of the bye, I want you to pick the rest of the Vikings schedule win and loss because mm-hmm. you were really good at it in the Purple Podcast last year. So. You'll take on that task. Call, All right. Collar and Gessling in for uh, Mackie and Judd. We'll keep taking your calls on uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Mackie and Judd now continue. And the game is on. On 1500 ESPN. All right. We will have uh, questions of significant importance coming up in a few minutes. Dave, don't you think I forgot over there? I didn't forget. I know it's been a while oh, since no. I filled in, but no, I have I'm not prepared. forgotten. I wouldn't let you forget. Yeah, I know. You're an angry man. No, questions oh. itself has ego. Not me. <laughs> oh, not you. Right. Yeah. Not you. <laughs> Never right. you. Taking your uh, phone calls on Teddy Bridgewater, your confidence in him as a franchise quarterback when he returns, and where you stand on the Teddy Bridgewater spectrum. I've also got the Vikings schedule in front of me, and Ben is going to pick it with Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback. That will be in a second. First, we'll go to uh, Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, guys. How you doing today? Doing good. Great. So, I got a couple questions. I'm, I'm just, uh, you, know, heck, you know, we watch our purple, but... On the Teddy deal, now, I was hearing on, on you know, PA, I think, was talking about it with, you know, Bursich a little bit of, you know, Teddy has a new offense with Sherman. He hasn't worked with him that much. Do we know how well is he doing in practice? It's never really talked about. Is he in, is he in sync with Thielen? Is he in sync with the guys, you know? And 
is that why there's, you know, so much, you know, chirping going on? I'm just looking at it that way. And two, wouldn't he want to come back on a fresh year and let Case ride it? Let You know, let's ride with Case. He can throw the deep ball. We've seen it. So I'm just wondering your guys' opinions on that because I haven't heard a lot about, you know, how's he doing in your know, practice and this and that. All we hear is, hey, you know, he's he's all ready to go. He's healthy. Well, that, that's great. But sometimes we see, you know, injured quarterbacks come back and they're out of sync. And then all of a sudden we lose a game or two. And then all of a sudden, uh-oh, you know, what do we do? So – I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, well, I mean, part one to that is they close practice after they have warm-ups. We see about 10 minutes of practice, and generally we see individual drills, but I think the first couple of days we saw Bridgewater back. We saw him throw one pass. Yep, he was doing just fake handoffs and kind of just moseying around. It was pretty clear that they didn't want us to be able to report on how well he was playing in practice. Other teams will open practice for longer Mm -hmm. uh, than the Vikings do, but they, it's not like training camp. See in training camp, we could tell you all about how guys look in practice because we watch every practice. Right. But as soon as the season starts, they close it up. So I can't tell you if he's in sync with Adam Thielen. It was interesting though. The last practice in London, we had more access there. We, we probably had 40 minutes of open practice that Friday in Mm -hmm. London. I don't think that was a coincidence. The, the British media was there, and I think there was definitely a uh, an effort to sort of show British reporters, see, we're like this all the time. We're, <laughs> we're very media-friendly. You get all sorts of practice access, which is not generally the case. But we did see that day, and we saw some of the team stuff. And Case Keenum, of course, was by that point in the week taking every first-team rep. And that's the other factor here is he, whether we see practice or we don't, we do know that when you get into the install the game plan portion of practice, which is a, a fair chunk of what they do, you are getting your starter ready to play. And that's why we're talking about this, is that the the amount of time you have to devote to a quarterback that isn't going to play that Sunday is not very much. So Bridgewater has been running some scout team stuff. I, I think he's he's gotten some first-team reps from people we've talked to that you know have said you know, they, they were a few days where he's gotten a fair number of the first-team reps, but... We don't really have a great sense of how he's looked in practice. I have seen him throw a little bit, and I, I will say his mechanics look different. In in talking to some people, I think he's worked on trying to do a little bit, uh, do some different things there to drive more off of his legs without putting himself at risk of re-injury. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I think all of those signs are good, but we don't have a great, you know, eye view sense of how he's doing because we don't see that much in practice. How he might fit into the offense, though. He has been around the yeah. team. He did yes, not he leave to do his rehab. He's been around the team. He's yep. been around Pat Shermer. As far as I know, from what people have said, he's been in all meetings. He's been in every single meeting, yep. so he knows the offense. It's just about applying it and getting enough practice reps and then going out and facing real pressure. Though he won't face the type of pressure that he did in 2015. It Shouldn't. won't even be close. That's the one thing that is majorly different about his new situation is that the protection will be good. Uh, he'll have people to drop the ball off to. They have a running game that they can rely on. I mean, in, in 2015, they did too. But now but having a running back that you can throw the ball to. Right. <laughs> that's different. Right. Although, he, uh, I remember he hit Zach Line for yeah, a couple of big McKinnon plays. Yeah, so. had some moments. But, <laughs> but, but two, he, two guys who could be receivers out of the backfield. Yeah, and he was, I believe, the most pressured quarterback in the league in 2015. Yes. Yes. And was up there in 2014 as well. So, I mean, that, as we're talking about it, there's so many variables with him because the number of times where he's had a decent situation to play in, I mean, the guy was 18 to 14 as a starter, given even despite the fact that, uh, 
he hasn't had a lot of things go right around him. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, I, well, I guess it wasn't even eighteen to fourteen. I think he was six and six in uh, in twenty fourteen. But at the time he got the job as a starter, so I would put him seventeen and eleven. All right, let me make you pick the rest of the schedule. Let's assume, and I don't think this is going to be the case. The case, I think Keenum <laughs> will be back uh, under center against Washington, and then we'll see from there. Because there is the possibility that they would want to bring back Teddy at home, and you have that long stretch before you come back home three weeks in a row. From November 19th to December 17th, you don't come back uh, home. So maybe they would want to do that against the Rams. But let's just assume that, uh, let's just say that Teddy Bridgewater is back, and he's in somewhat of 2015 form with some rust. And you're going to pick the rest of the schedule. All right. So let's start with Washington. Do you think they win at Washington? Do, uh, Dave, I don't know where the football music button is. Is there a football music button that I can push? Can I just whack this computer and make football happen? That might work, or else I could just do it for you. That, that would work be probably better. better. Yeah. We can pretend that he slapped the computer and okay, make football yeah, happen. I'll make a noise. Yeah, just get a Fonzie thing. You got to give me just one moment, though. Sure, yeah, that that's my fault. I didn't think of how football this was going to get, and then I need it to enhance my football experience. Well, let's get into it right now. Okay. Then. There you go. Oh wow! We got like the now I'm in this old school. Yeah, NFL yeah. This is this is marching down the field, marching to the, the playoffs. Ball down the field. Yeah. All, All right. right. At at Washington, I think uh, they'll put some pressure on him. That that's a defense that blitzes quite a bit, and I think he'll have some struggles there. But I also think the Redskins, with no offensive linemen, will have a very hard time with the Vikings defense. I think the Vikings win that game. Okay, so the Vikings are seven and two. On to uh, U.S. Bank Stadium and the Los Angeles Rams. I, boy, that's a tough one. I, I don't know that I buy Jared Goff, and I, I don't know if Todd Gurley will be able to run the ball well enough, but I I guess I feel like that defense will give them trouble. I guess I'll pick that as a loss just because I I, I, I don't think it's going to be that easy. I don't think eight and two, I don't think they're eight and two without some things going wrong and without some hiccups. I'm not sure they're that good, so I'm going to pick that as a loss. 7-3 and three heading into Thanksgiving, and for the second year in a row, Ben, you are on to Detroit. Forget your family at home eating turkey. Yep. You're busy with football, as all men should be. I'm kidding. At least this year, I probably... I don't think David McCoy's on this trip, so I won't have to try to tell him it's a bad idea to drive into Windsor when he has an ID that didn't work. I got to tell you this story at some point. Oh, he, boy, that's he funny. got his license renewed in Minnesota, didn't realize that they clipped the corner of it, and that makes it invalid. So he was trying to get into a casino. We were trying to go to, I think, the buffet at, at MGM Grand or something. They wouldn't let him in. And, uh, you know, most people, it would be like, well, this ID's technically old, but you certainly look like you're over 18. So I'll let he it slide. He does not. So he was denied while I was sitting there texting our buddies, telling them to start lighting up his phone with with text messages it was it was you're, glorious you're dodging picking this game uh the lions on thanksgiving i will take the vikings i i don't think the lions are the type of team that's going to pull all sorts of games out of their hindquarters like they did last year i don't think they're good enough to sweep the vikings like they did last year i will take the vikings in that one vikings eight and three as they head into atlanta where teddy has had a lot of success uh you referring to the sugar bowl uh, yeah, not only that, but he also, I think that was his first start of that his was career. At home. Oh, it, it was. was against well, Atlanta, okay, but it was at against home. Atlanta. All right. But then there was a game in 2015 where I think he had a big game too down there. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they did play down there in 2015. I will pick the Falcons in that one. I, I still think, I mean, the Falcons' struggles, I still think they are going to be able to put up enough points 
And uh, I think they'll have figured things out enough by that point that uh, I think they'll win that game at home. At Carolina on December 10th. Oh, this is a tricky one, too. Um, right now you have them at 8-4. and four. I think... I think Carolina wins this one. I I think Carolina is a better team than than people realize. That you know they they have had their issues and they will continue to. But it's two good teams. I guess I'm going to take the home team in that one. Uh, I think what you're hearing here is the lead beat reporter for the Strib hates the Vikings. Oh yeah, is basically what you should take yep, away from. This. Yep, subtext is is certainly that. Uh, December seventeenth, they come back home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, that's a win in so many ways. The Bengals are terrible. Mike Zimmer will be fired up for that game the the thing you know he'll he'll talk about it's just another game i've heard people talk about like when they've played i think jay gruden uh and as they will next week like people he's coached against that Mm -hmm. uh he sees as a bit of a rival or he's trying to to nudge out he gets really fired up for those games so he will he will want that one badly and i think they will win it i don't just don't think the Bengals are very good by december 23rd against the packers at lambo has brett hundley figured it out yet this game could this game get flexed well, out of NBC? Out of the Saturday night yeah. slot? I don't know. If it know. doesn't mean anything? Maybe. I mean, I'd be okay with that because I can get home earlier and not have to drive home on Christmas Eve. Um, is Brett Hundley still the quarterback at this point? I think so, right? I mean, didn't Rodgers have a bunch of screws? And plus, yeah. his feelings are still hurt from Anthony Barr. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I had to. I mean, Anthony Barr. I mean, yeah. Is there any Was purpose in telling hurt? everyone about that? I don't know. Oh my gosh, a guy trash talked me. I have to let everyone know. I think he was trying first to time, actually. make the argument because the TV camera showed him. But I mean, Whatever, this man. is not the first instance of Aaron Rodgers being sensitive. Yeah. We we have a long history of that. I think if Brett Hundley is the quarterback, I think the Vikings win that game. Okay, and then at uh, home against Chicago to wrap it up, I say in this game, this is a bold prediction, nobody hangs from a giant banner. That would uh, that would be a, a, a departure from what happened last year. Uh huh. Ah, uh, they win that game. The Bears are terrible. They, I mean, they should have beat the Bears easier last time. But having a, a quarterback who looks lucid for four quarters would have helped so with that. With Teddy Bridgewater back, you have the Vikings going eleven and five and winning the NFC North. Yes, I think that. I mean, it's you even threw in a couple of losses there yeah. where they're games that they could win at Atlanta. If they don't get it figured out on offense at Carolina, they just traded Kelvin Benjamin away. I mean, even though there are some good teams and good quarterbacks mixed in here, it just seems even bumps in the road are not enough to knock them off their course to win yeah. the NFC North. It yeah. would have to be the meltdown of all meltdowns. It would have to be last year. Uh, yeah. But last year was kind of, you know, it's five games in that's happened before. Yeah. And there were some things you saw, even the first five yeah. weeks, where you're like, oh, they get a punt return for touchdown to win that one, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah, they had a lot of help from the defense scoring yeah. points. Um, questions of significant importance, significant importance is uh, coming up next. So important that I try to pronounce it correctly. Um, do I ask you, Dave, what you have for us in questions? Sure, and I'll tell you it's three questions, and they will all be about coconut oil. Oh, perfect. All right, well, we'll do that when we come back. Holler and Gessling in for Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackey. First of all, you're wrong about bunting. Bill, you're wrong about bunting. No. Judd Zolgad. Judd freaking Zolgad. <laughs> He's a problem. attitude It's destroyed everything of our sports culture. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Dave, what uh, do you have from us? And I agree with that caller who said that Judd is ruining everything. Oh, yes, 100%. Now, true. make sure you listen to our Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure podcast. Which he ruins every time. It would be much better. It's just the Matt, uh, Matt Collar Hockey Adventure yeah. podcast. Or something like Judd that. Judd is just... It doesn't matter. The Wild could be winless, and he would just be super excited to show up at the X and talk about hockey. I uh, consider myself, and, and I think you're this way too, Ben, as like a hockey person. Mm-hmm. So you're, you either are or you aren't, and I am fully hockey yes, person. Yes, I am too. And I was kind of like, eh, Wild are up to nothing. I was just going on with the football game. I mean, just like this early in the season. There's other yeah, things it's going hard, on. To, hard to go all in on it until it, the calendar flips. And Judd sent me an email last night asking me about the validity of the Wilds drop passes. It's like, okay, <laughs> Judd, you might have a problem. Anyway, right. Dave, what's your uh, what are your questions? Let's do Does three Judd questions. Have a problem is that the first one? Oh, he's got a lot of. Problems. Oh yeah, we don't even want to start with that. <laughs> uh, let's say you were to get Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer in separate rooms. Little truth serum time, boys. Oh, how I have dreamed about that moment. Well, that possibility. It's about to happen in your imagination. 2018, the start of the season, and you were to ask them both, who do you want as your number one and number two quarterbacks? What do you think their answers are? Do they think they match, or do they have completely different ideas? I think they have different ideas, um, and at least in terms of the the number two. I I think Zimmer would say he wants Teddy as number one. I I the thing with Zimmer is that when he gets riled up enough about something. You don't really need the truth serum because he kind of just says it. The face gets red. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think he would say Teddy, um, Rick. What would Rick say? I I I don't know. Well, he's that, not commenting on that. Well, even with, uh, yeah, even serum. even with truth serum, it's still we'll keep that all internal. <laughs> um, I I generally tend to think that he wants the guys that he drafted to work out, but I also think that uh, when you put out what you did for Sam Bradford. I I guess there's part of me that thinks Rick would uh, would hope for Sam Bradford to get healthy enough that they can pay him. But uh, at this point, that's not realistic. So, um, yeah, I, hmm, that's a tricky one. I think at this point, if it, if Sam Bradford had been healthy and he had led them to 6-2, and two, then it would be a really interesting conversation. Right now, it's, well... Uh, I think Zimmer would say unequivocally Bridgewater, yes. and Rick might say uh, Kirk Cousins, maybe Drew Brees, Alex Smith, whatever keeps my teams good enough to keep me employed. Yeah, and I mean, I the, think the, would be the, the, the fact that there could be answer. quarterbacks on the market. Yeah, and I, I think all of those are realistic possibilities. I wouldn't be surprised if New Orleans has a deep playoff run, and then Drew Brees has to go after that because. They just can't yep. afford him anymore, yeah. and maybe they would turn the page there. Uh, but Kirk Cousins will be out there, yes. And the Vikings have to be at the top of the list. I mean, the other teams that I've seen listed with Cousins, the Dolphins. Okay, well, if you're Cousins, do you want to go to the Dolphins? No. Browns, do you want to go to the Browns? No. As I'm the one that predicted them to be in the playoffs. I mean, in three the Forty Niners would have made sense, but not anymore. Right. They've got their quarterback yep. now, Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you want to go to a really stable franchise with a superstar running back and two great wide receivers and a good offensive line and a great defense? Probably. That's so, a pretty desirable place to be. If they've got the pick of the litter, maybe Rick just says, eh, well, sorry, this guy's just done more and I can trust his health more than I can trust Bridgewater. Yeah. 
All right, question number two. Schefter dropped the bomb about an hour ago. The uh, Colin Kaepernick situation getting interesting as Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft, Bob McNair being deposed, asked to turn over cell phone records. I think emails. Paul Allen has been list, added to the list of yes. positions as well. And uh, you would imagine some Judd, more will Judd be York. added. Yeah. Boys, percent chance uh, the owners and whoever else is deposed here was stupid enough to leave a smoking gun in plain sight. Yes. Uh, stupid enough, possibly. They'll, stupid enough to leave a smoking gun and have a lawyer not find a way to muddy the waters enough that that doesn't get out. Zero. I I, I think they hire enough high-powered lawyers that this gets gummed up enough that they get off. I think in the past in sports, uh, collusion has been proven. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think 30 years ago. Yeah, right, a long time ago. Uh, but I think that that's, that's a hard one to dodge if there is a smoking gun. And eventually, Tom Brady did be uh, get suspended, right? Yeah, he because did. there was enough evidence. So I think that's what it'll be based on. Do I think that there's an email out there, a text message out there somewhere, anything, any shred of information? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Does it see the light of day? Um, probably. Yeah. I, I tend to think with any of these things or with, uh, say I'm not referring to any current circumstances, but say if there was an eventual impeachment of a president, not this one, I'm sure. But if there was, uh, it takes a really long time for all of these things yeah. and eventually stuff gets dug up and it doesn't disappear and it gets found out. And I think it'll be kind of the same way here. Yeah, I mean, you you would hope that people have hung on to all the records. I mean, I guess that's the big question, right? I mean, has anything been deleted, or uh, has was anything said with enough vagaries that it can be danced away from? That would be the the question I would ask. The final and most important question, and I need you to ask uh, answer this with as specific examples as possible, if you could. The Purple Podcast. Great better podcast. with Gessling or better without oh, Gessling? Easy without. Specific examples. He's better. He's better live. He's a, he's like Bill O'Reilly. I'll do it live. I don't know how many people even know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, there's so many things in my brain that are floating around from the internet that I'm just like a meme myself. Um, uh, the Purple Podcast. Let's just. Uh, I'll, I'll give a coconut oil. PR style answer. We've uh, we've missed Gessling's contributions greatly, uh, but we're excited about the future with uh, Courtney Cronin. Uh, so uh, yeah, we we thank Ben for all that he brought to us, and we're going to keep the rest internal. Am I am I supposed to? Uh, where am I supposed to go with this? Uh, you can answer however you want. Well, you, I, I, I would like you to be specific. Uh, you can either tout, you know, toot your own horn, or well, I will. I will rip uh, uh, the show without you. I will say, <laughs> you know, it's as much as I enjoyed the, my time on the Purple Podcast. You know, as much as I wish I could be part of it, uh, I'm excited about a new chapter with uh, with Andrew Kramer, who was the original host of the Purple Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may remember. Uh, sure. We now have joined forces once again on the Access Vikings podcast at the Star Tribune, along with Michael Rand, who uh, provides the the role of our provocateur in a lot of ways. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about that project as well. It's, you know, it really has been uh, a good problem to have, just okay, to now be around so many talented now people. Now you're being like the Vikings GM and filibustering. Because that's that, that's what Rick will do sometimes. But in grammatically you, correct sentences, yeah, though. If you ask him <laughs> wow. a question, it'll be more sentences than necessary to answer it because we've only got 20 minutes. So yeah, um, I just noticed that again the other day that that happens sometimes. Well, uh, do miss you, Ben, on the Purple Podcast. But very, download uh, that heartfelt. and pay attention to it.
Okay. Well, you just wanted to make this show awkward today. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Ever since I knew you guys were feeling it, I knew that was going to be a question. You know, I will say the the fun thing for me now is that I I with the with him and Judd, I had to a lot of times be like the lion tamer. I had to kind of bring it <laughs> Talk back Judd to off the ledge. And... Well, yeah, or like one was on the ledge and the other one was like, no, I want to jump off the ledge first. And then like, no, 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 <laughs> let's bring it back to the middle. The thing now though is. I I get to go back to being the little pain in the you know what to Kramer. I mean, that you love I, that role. Oh my gosh. It, it, okay, now I'm going to go away from the PR part. Being able to do that again where I don't have to like I I'm not really running the thing. Rand usually hosts it that I basically just get to go on there and and poke at Kramer and uh do my Brett Favre impersonation which has become <laughs> a, a regular bit on the show. Um that's a lot of fun. Just Good for you. Getting, you know, I, I, one of the things that I think Gives me the most joy on the Vikings beat is is getting under Kramer's skin and uh, the opportunity to do that uh, on a regular basis again is uh, well it's it's a blessing, man. <laughs> it's a hashtag blessing. This wow. What did you do? <laughs> what did you do with this question? Um, wow. You you rise and grind and do that podcast. I do. All right, let's 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 take a break. Uh, something I'm on my grind. Really cool. Something really cool last night from Kevin Garnett and uh, what the Wolves are up to this weekend. We come back. Mackie and Judd now continue. I think all the pieces are there. On 1500 ESPN. Number one New York Times bestselling author John Feinstein delivers a dramatic chronicle of the bitterly fought 2016 Ryder Cup in his new book, The First Major, the inside story of the 2016 Ryder Cup. One of the nation's most respected authors, Feinstein's resume includes 35 books working for the Washington Post, the Golf Channel, and Sirius XM, and being inducted into the National Sports Writers and Sports Casters Hall of Fame. Enter to win your very own copy of the first major now on the 1500 ESPN stream player. All right, before uh, Gessling and Collar here say goodbye for the day, um, Lindsey Whalen last night was on Area 21, which is Kevin Garnett's contribution to the TNT basketball broadcast. Uh, I've come to really like it. At first, it was kind of like finding his where he stands with the thing and making it not too kind of corny or weird or yeah. whatever. And uh, I think it's it's a cool thing that they're doing. And that TNT broadcast continues to rise to the top. Yeah, they're and the best. They're the best in the business. As weird as Barkley can be, it's it is the best. Yeah. Um, well, I like Barkley. I like him sometimes. Uh, there are some times where I think he's just. Over the top, just yeah. trying too hard yeah. to say something ridiculous. Yeah. But when he does, when he lets it come naturally, it's uh, it's pretty good. But having Lindsey Whalen, Candace Parker was on the show not too long after that, uh, before that. So ha- giving the credit to the WNBA players and Lindsey Whalen, her performance in the the game five of the WNBA finals was outrageously good. Yeah, just one of my favorite players to watch since I've gotten here. Yeah, I know it's it's great that he's uh, using the platform to to call attention to. The fact that there are there's other great basketball being played other than just what's in the NBA, and it's it's one of those things that you continue to see the NBA kind of push the envelope in terms of we're going to look at things that we think are important and not just things that we've historically done. I mean, you know, whether the NBA mm-hmm. gets credit for that or not, or whether the broadcast partners get credit for it, you know, probably maybe a little bit of both. But the the, the partnership with the WNBA is certainly something that is is pretty cool, and, and locally, obviously. Um, for a team that has had that degree of excellence, you know, let's celebrate it no matter what the sport is. If, if a team is that good consistently, it, it should be celebrated for what it's done. Yeah, it took a lot of jokes early on, but I think it's become a, a great league overall. We've seen that here. So 
Good for Kevin Garnett for uh, giving Lindsey Whalen her props on that. Big weekend for the Wolves. And then uh, Vikings football, you get a week off. You can relax and take a breath. Thanks a lot, Dave Harrigan. Thanks, Ben, for stopping in. And uh, we'll catch you all later.